Welcome to the Common Rounds. Today we are continuing our discussion on arrhythmias. Last time we talked about atrial fibrillation, its presentation and management. Today I want to cover a broad outline of all the other types of arrhythmias that occur in the heart. We are going to start off with some different ways that the normal conduction of the heart can get disrupted. Firstly, arrhythmias may be due to abnormal impulse generation. In certain diseases such as myocardial ischemia, some cardiac muscle cells acquire the property of automaticity and can spontaneously depolarize. As you may know, normally only the cells in the conduction system, such as the SA node, AV node, and his Purkinje system, have natural automaticity. So when a heart muscle outside this normal conduction initiates depolarization, it interferes with the normal contraction of the heart. These sources of abnormal impulses are known as ectopics. Another reason for abnormal impulse generation is due to after-depolarizations. There are two types of after-depolarizations, early and delayed. Early after-depolarizations occur when the action potential is prolonged. As the membrane potential doesn't return to baseline during repolarization, this triggers a series of self-maintaining depolarizing oscillations of the action potential. This is the basis why QT prolongation could lead to torsade de point. Delayed after-depolarizations occur commonly in situations where there is high intracellular calcium levels or enhanced catecholamine stimulation. These additional action potentials occur after the cell has fully repolarized, but before the next usual action potential. Another mechanism which arrhythmias occur are due to alterations in the impulse conduction. Reentry circuits are abnormal pathways in the heart that allow an action potential to continue its propagation, typically circling back to re-excite tissue that have recovered from its refractory period. Bypass tracts are another abnormal pathway that allow for impulses to bypass the AV node and communicate between the atria and ventricles. This is problematic as this creates the opportunity for the ventricles to get stimulated prematurely before the normal AV node conduction occurs. Cardiac pathways can become blocked as well, as cells become unexcitable due to ischemia, fibrosis, trauma, or drugs. This blockage of conduction can either slow the heart rate down or create opportunities for re-entry circuits to form. We mentioned before that a bradyarrhythmia is defined as a heart rate less than 60 beats per minute in an adult and a tachyarrhythmia as a heart rate above 100 beats per minute. Tachyarrhythmias are classified according to the area of heart the arrhythmia originates from. They are referred to as either supraventricular tachyarrhythmias, or SVTs, or a ventricular tachyarrhythmia, VTs. A supraventricular tachyarrhythmia is a very broad term that includes quite a few diagnoses where the problem originates from the atria or the AV junction. On the other hand, there are a few different types of ventricular tachyarrhythmias that are worth knowing as well. We'll predominantly go through SVTs today and focus on ventricular tachyarrhythmias next time. SVTs characteristically have a narrow QRS complex. This is because the problem with the conduction is not in the ventricles. As you know that the QRS complex represents the conduction system in the ventricles Conduction disturbances there would lead to a wide QRS complex. SVTs can get divided into two distinct groups, depending on if they arise from the atria, 
for the AV junction. Let's start off by discussing some arrhythmias originating from the atria. The first one we're going to talk about is sinus tachycardia. Essentially, the heart is beating fast because it's getting a fast impulse from the SA node, with no other problems with conduction pathways, ectopics, or after depolarizations. The only reason why the heart is beating fast is because it's being told to do so. The ECG for sinus tachycardia shows normal P waves that precede every QRS complex. The ventricular rhythm is regular and the QRS complex is narrow. The second arrhythmia I'm going to mention is atrial fibrillation. We have already discussed the specifics of this arrhythmia in the last talk. This type of arrhythmia is due to multiple re-entry circuits of activation sweeping around the atrial myocardium. This creates the characteristic fibrillation wave seen on ECG. Occasionally, the impulses in the atria may pass through the AV node, leading to irregular ventricular responses. So the three characteristics of atrial fibrillation are fine baseline fibrillation wave oscillations, absent P waves, and an irregular ventricular complex. Management involves stroke prevention, rate control or rhythm control, and treating the underlying cause. The third arrhythmia we're going to talk about is atrial flutter. This is caused by a rapid and regular atrial depolarization from within the atrium. The atrium contract at a rate about 300 beats per minute, seen as flutter waves on an ECG. The ventricular rate in atrial flutter is typically around 150 beats per minute, beating in a regular rhythm, as there is a consistent 2 to 1 or 4 to 1 AV block. Note that this AV block is physiological, as the AV node is filtering out rapid depolarizations to prevent the ventricles from beating at a fast rate. The causes and treatment of atrial flutter and atrial fibrillation are similar. The main difference between the two is that atrial flutter has a regular ventricular rate and atrial fibrillation has an irregular ventricular rate. Moving on to tachycardias arising from the AV junction, there are two particular arrhythmias worth noting. The first one is atrial ventricular nodal reentry tachycardia, AVNRT, and the second one is atrial ventricular reentrant tachycardia, AVRT. The AV nodal reentrant tachycardia, AVNRTs, is the most common cause of paroxysmal regular narrow complex tachycardias. People who have this type of arrhythmia have two distinct functional pathways when it comes down to the AV node. One is the fast pathway, and the other one is the slow pathway. The fast pathway in the AV node conducts impulses quickly and has a long refractory period. The slow pathway conducts impulses slowly and recovers quickly. In normal sinus rhythm, the atrial impulses reach the AV node and is conducted through the fast pathway and depolarizes the ventricles. By the time the same impulses travel through the slow pathway, the ventricles have already been depolarized and the fast pathway is still in its refractory period. The impulses terminate without causing any problems. The problem arises in AVNRT when a premature beat occurs in the atria when it catches the system in the wrong timing. A premature atrial beat can occur when a fast pathway is still refractory and travels down the slow pathway instead. The impulse then propagates in a retrograde fashion back up the fast pathway 
once the fastest pathway has recovered. This creates a re-entrant circuit. During sinus rhythm, the ECG will appear normal. However, during tachycardias, the rhythm is regular and has a narrow QRS complex. There can be an inverted P wave due to the retrograde atrial conduction from its mechanism. However, this P wave can typically be buried in the QRS complex and thus can become obscured. Patients with AVNRT report that they experience palpitations that start and stop abruptly. These episodes may be terminated by the Valsalva maneuver or by applying carotid sinus pressure. The last SVT I want to discuss today is atrioventricular reentrant tachycardia, AVRT. This is also referred to in some textbooks as part of the pre-excitation syndrome. The mechanism of an AVRT is an accessory pathway connecting the atria and the ventricles. A signal traveling down this pathway can bypass the AV node and cause ventricular pre-excitation, hence the name. The most well-known AVRTs occur in Wolf-Parkinson-White syndrome, where a congenital defect creates an accessory conduction tract known as the bundle of Kent. This can be in either the right or the left atrium, allowing early electrical activation of part of one ventricle. The characteristic delta wave on ECGs during sinus rhythm occur because part of the ventricle gets depolarized early due to the bundle of Kent, distorting the R wave and producing the delta wave upslope. This depolarization is then rapidly overtaken by depolarization through normal conduction systems, leading to a relatively normal QRS complex subsequently. Typically, the accessory pathway is concealed, meaning that it only allows for retrograde conduction from the ventricles to the atria. So during sinus rhythm, pre-excitation does not occur, and the ECG looks normal. AV reentrant tachyarrhythmias can occur in two different directions in Wolf-Parkinson-White syndrome. The predominant loop is the orthodromic AVRT, where the impulse travels down the AV node into the ventricles and then comes back retrograde through the accessory pathway back into the atria. This creates a narrow complex tachycardia on ECG. In rare occasions, the accessory pathway allows for anti-grade conduction, and thus the impulse is conducted from the atria into the ventricles via the accessory pathway. They depolarize the ventricles through the non-specialized ventricle myocardium, causing a bizarre wide QRS complex on ECG, and then travel back through the AV node into the atria. This is called an antidromic AVRT. So the management of supraventricular arrhythmias vary depending on the specific type of arrhythmia. It is worthwhile looking up the specifics on resources such as their therapeutic guidelines. Broadly speaking, I found that SVT management can include performing the Valsalva maneuver or using rate control medications such as beta blockers or calcium channel blockers like verapamil. It is important to point out that the use of medications such as verapamil in ventricular arrhythmias or Wolf-Parkinson-White syndrome can be devastating. So it is important to be able to tell the difference between an SVT and a VT. In summary, today we talked about some basic pathological mechanisms that cause an arrhythmia. Ectopic beats and after depolarizations are two reasons that can cause abnormal impulses. Reentry circuits, bypass tracks, and blocked pathways are some mechanisms leading to abnormal conduction pathways. We went through five different types of supraventricular tachycardias. One important take-home message is that SVTs typically have a narrow QRS complex. We talked about sinus tachycardia, 
atrial fibrillation, and atrial flutter as three different types of atrial arrhythmias. We also talked about the mechanisms of two arrhythmias in the AV junction. These are AV nodal re-entry tachycardia, AVNRT, and also AV re-entrant tachycardia, AVRT. AVNRTs occur because a re-entry circuit is formed by fast and slow conduction pathways in the AV junction. AVRTs occur in Wolf-Parkinson-White syndrome, where an accessory pathway connects the atria to the ventricles. The re-entry circuit can conduct in a direction down the AV node and back up through the accessory pathway, known as orthodromic AVRT, or in rare cases it can conduct down the accessory pathway and back up the AV node, called antidromic AVRT. I hope you learned something today. Do you have any questions? Let us know in the comments. Remember to tune in next week to hear the conclusion on ventricular tachycardias. I'm Andy, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.